everybody. Welcome to our next episode of the Deep Discussions podcast. We're up to episode three or four. Um, so inshallah today we have a very special guest. Um, it is the CEO of National Zakat Foundation, Brother Ismail Davids. So just wait for him to jump on inshallah. Um, he's a very special guest and a very a well known and valued community member. I'll tell you a little bit about him inshallah. For anyone who's tuning in for the first time, my name is Kalisha Bennett and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Deep Discussions podcast. The other host is Sister Rosalind De Bono, and she is um, the the host of the Revert Reflections segment of this podcast. So we run weekly. This podcast happens weekly, Thursdays and Fridays, um, and uh, my segment is fortnightly. I do an IG live, and we convert it into the audio of the podcast. So make sure you jump on and subscribe um, so that you can get notifications. So while Ismail comes on live, I will introduce you to him and tell you a little bit about him so you can know a bit about Brother Ismail and what he does. Um, so he's an active speaker and community member from Sydney, Australia. And he specialises, oh, he, he recently or previously, not recently, for a long time actually, specialised in the pillar of Hajj. He was born in South Africa, moved to Australia where he resides with his family um, his first Hajj was in 1989 when I was a toddler <laughs> and it was to be the first of many times that he would be blessed with visiting the Holy Land. So he developed this passion for Hajj and his experience and knowledge of Hajj. Um, so he published a book called Getting the Best Out of Your Hajj and personally I used that in my Hajj and it's what really made my Hajj uh, utterly I guess like fulfilling I really felt like I did my A to Z of Hajj and I look back and alhamdulillah I have no regrets I never felt that uh, I missed out on anything because that's what his book does it really takes you from the the A to Z of um, making sure that your Hajj is actually the best Hajj that you can you can do uh, so he is the CEO as I mentioned of National Zakat Foundation he's been involved in community leadership community building for many many years mashallah maybe he'll tell us a little bit about it uh, but for now welcome brother ismail david assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah wa it's good to have you here thank you so much for joining us for this podcast interview and for supporting um our new podcast as well thanks for having me i hope uh, it will be beneficial inshallah I mean, so um, tell me about yourself, maybe something that we, I didn't just mention in the intro in terms of your community work and your involvement in community. Um, so Alhamdulillah, yes, as you mentioned that uh, Hajj is my first passion. So Pillar 5 and then uh, over the last eight years, uh, Pillar 3 has been my passion as well, which is the Zakah. So I've been working in the community. I lived in the, the Saudi Arabia from 1990 to 2005 and that's where uh, I really got into the Hajj space and wrote my book about my personal experiences during the Hajj time when I was there. I started off teaching Hajj to, to reverts and one of my first experiences in Hajj was taking 600 reverts on Hajj with me. 
and that really really taught me uh, something about it and uh, the, and since then you know my blood makkah 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 is actually which i when i get to makkah it's almost like i'm at home so for me if anybody says to me where is my home it's makkah and as you can imagine now that we haven't been able to go for the last year and probably this year it's really really um traumatizing for me in a way but alhamdulillah i'm looking forward to uh, to go again to makkah and i'll take 10 vaccinations if i have to <laughs> to go people don't realize that for the last 20 30 years we've been taking vaccinations to go to hajj or umrah you take meningitis you take flu so one more is not an issue <laughs> depends on how safe that one is we'll see how they go after the global mass testing but we won't go into that topic of vaccinations <laughs> inshallah we know it's a, a very controversial issue for some members you know of the community um yep. inshallah may Allah keep everyone safe and healthy and, and inshallah you get back to leading your hajj groups as soon as possible and for everyone inshallah. who wants Amen. to hajj may Allah Amen. may Allah grant the the invitation to to go and perform this important pillar Um, so um all these years mashallah in in community so from from leading hajj to being in sydney and then joining the community here you've been highly involved and and nzf has been i guess your baby we could call it right so what is nzf like tell us about it because that's your current role and it's been probably a large uh, focus point for you in in community work in recent years So National Zakat Foundation was established in 2013 based on the model based in the UK which was established in 2010 and uh, we established in Australia and Canada in 2013 it's a product or a uh, service of Mercy Mission organization but it's completely independent so we are currently in five countries now in 2020 we went to the Netherlands and Switzerland and in 2021 we plan to go to New Zealand and to Germany inshallah but it's very independent it runs on its own but the branding the the nzf branding is owned by nzf world so i can't walk away with the branding on that so it's a very good structure the way it's done it's legal and nzf australia is based on you know acnc rules it external audit internal audit all of that so we run a very very professional compassionate organization and in the last uh, uh, 8 years we basically our goal is to implement the pillar of zakat in australia we only work in australia and uh, uh, we help with the distribution of zakah calculation of zakah education of zakah making people understand how powerful this pillar is just only about fuqara and 2.5% uh 90% of our cases is not even with the fuqara uh with the poor um and um we want to make people understand the services that we provide to our community to that end just last week we reached a milestone which we're going to start to promote next week we reached the milestone of having distributed 10 million dollars of zakah in australia and over 14000 wow. uh, cases that we've helped alhamdulillah when i started in 2013 i wouldn't have imagined that we could reach that kind of uh, 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 services or money and it is only from one thing only and it's not from us it's from allah allah's help and barakah that we've been able to do achieve this a huge task on our hands um So in the first year I was hoping to re- we we launched NZF with no money uh, no cases and I was hoping it was a week out from Ramadan and I was hoping to raise 120,000 during that Ramadan but alhamdulillah we raised 167,000 that first Ramadan and as I said uh, last week we reached the distribution of the people of Australia zakah of 10 million dollars and 
10 years before that, all that money would have gone overseas. We're not saying don't send money overseas. We're just saying that there's a need in Australia as well. Wow, mashallah, that's a huge milestone, $10 million. And where would that have otherwise come from? What would have otherwise happened to those 14,000 cases? Where would they have gotten those funds and that support to establish themselves in? I think it's a very important um, you know, social welfare um, cause um, and initiative that NZF is in our community. And it's good to see, um, it's good to see our, you know, our money and our excess money technically getting back into the community. And that's what we want to create within the community so that there's never someone in need or without, um, you know, without their needs met or without the support. And isn't it better that it comes from our community rather than outside of our community. So May Allah reward all those who give sadaqah, all those involved in the running of the organization. Um, so, Brother Ismail, what do you do? Like, what do you do day-to-day? What does your day-to-day uh, operations look like? I know, mashallah, you have a very busy schedule. Um, so what does what does a day look like for you? So, alhamdulillah, all my life, I've, I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm structured but unstructured as well. So I don't have... But I do so many different things on any given day. So I don't have, for this hour I do this, for this hour I do this. So my whole life 24-7 is basically around um, what I do. So what I need to do, the next steps I need to do. So on a given day in NZF, obviously first thing in the morning, we start uh, quite early uh, after Fajr. We get into checking the WhatsApp, checking the emails, making sure. So the key role for us on any given day is to make sure that all those who applied for help, uh, are considered and uh, um, uh, the, the help gets there. So uh, we've changed the dynamics from a, from a, to a customer-centric uh, uh, organization, meaning that when somebody's asked for help, applied for help, we want to make sure that they get the help as soon as they uh, apply. Now, I don't know if you know, but in Australia, the sense in the charity space is basically that if you apply for help or even Centrelink, all of that, the turnaround time is about six weeks before somebody can get back to you, help you. And even in a lot of the, the, the Islamic um, organizations where you ask for help, they assume, or not even there's all, all the general uh, charity places where you can go for help is about four to six weeks, where if you apply, then they'll get back to you and help you. So I normally give the analogy to, to, to my team. I say, if you go into a coffee shop and you, 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 you want to buy a coffee, so you go in the shop, the shop is very busy, the, the person behind the counter is busy serving and they're busy in the till, they're getting money and all that, and they're just busy. You're standing there and you notice that they're very, very busy. But you're standing, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And you'll stand for about five minutes, the average person will say, look, nobody's paying attention to me, I'll leave. So take the same mm-hmm. scenario, you go into the shop, it's still that busy, but the person behind the teller, the behind the till looks at you and says, excuse me, I'm, I'm quite busy, I'll be with you in a second, Right? And then they continue on what they're doing. Now, as an individual, the human nature is that you end up standing longer and you're happy to wait now. But he hasn't done anything. He hasn't give, taken your order. He hasn't given you a coffee. Yeah. But yeah. what happens is he's acknowledged that you're there. He's acknowledged that he will help you soon. So what we've done in NZF, we've changed the dynamics by doing this, by making sure when people apply, we want to acknowledge them straight up as quick as possible that we've acknowledged, we know that you've uh, asked us for help, we will be with you soon, inshallah. So from that point of view, first thing in the morning, that's what we make sure that everybody's taken care of, the things are done, making sure the team, whoever by nine o'clock, who's working today, who's not working today, if anybody can't make it, what's happening. Then um, uh, on any given day, I have about 10, five to 10 meetings on any given day on different subjects. It's either a case study that we need to look at, somebody needs to be approved, 
I need to see a client, or I'm working on the programs that we're currently working on, meeting with, uh, uh, with businesses, meeting with organizations, meeting with mosques. And an example, on Tuesday, I started just after Fajr, and I finished like at uh, um, 11 o'clock at night with a meeting to the UK. So on any given day, it could be now today, it could be a shorter day, I finish up tonight, we have a meeting, I'm going at Mashallah to another masjid to speak tonight at uh, uh, um, 8.30, then I've got a 9.30 meeting. So on any given day, it's very different. Another day might be a bit less, um, but it's all about yeah. helping with the community. Today I'm at UMA actually, and I've just met with the, with the architects of the UMA masjid uh, for the new masjid they're building. And in one of our programs that we're rolling out is about caring for people with special needs. And the UMA is going to be the first masjid in Australia that is going to be have state-of-the-art facilities for people with special needs. There is not one masjid wow. in Australia that provides hudu facilities for a person in a wheelchair, as an example. So wow. Shaksha has allowed me to sit with this architect and we're working out how can we improve the services uh, uh, for the people with special needs. And I know that you've worked with uh, the people with Muslim mobility in, in WA and we're actually working with yeah. them as well to, to take on board what they've already done and see how we yeah. can combine and join that. So that's a given so day for me. Huge collaboration. So huge collaboration. So you're just creating links that aren't quite there within the community and joining people, organizations together to make sure that help gets to where it's needed, support and services get to where it's needed. And so that ultimately, not just the individuals, but even the organizations in our community are built stronger. So is that like a big picture in your mind about NZF's work, being able to be that collaborative force in the community? Yes, so what we've done, our BAU, the stuff that we've done in the last eight years where people need help, that continues, the implementation of Zakar, education, calculation, all that continues. But we're just changing also some of the things we're looking at forward, the next generation, generational change programs. So we're implementing a whole stream of programs connecting the community in many aspects of needs in the community, such as the orphan kids in Australia, the single parents, people, the families of Muslim inmates, the elderly, uh, um, the, the, the revered sisters and brothers, uh, um, the people with special needs, um, Quran schools, teaching, um, uh, connecting the Yatim kids to Quran schools, teaching them English, all those sorts of things. So there's, we're rolling out over about 25 programs over the next few years and connecting. So for us to, to send an orphan child to Quran school, who can't afford to go, we, need, we don't actually run Quran schools. So we need to connect to Quran schools across Australia, which become what we call our service partners. Our service partners yeah. in tutoring Quran schools and connected. We also have in the, in the Breaking Barriers program, which is people with special needs, we're signing up Muslim NDIS providers. So the NDIS providers is basically every second person I meet is an NDIS provider. So we need to know who are the standard, who are the good NDIS providers that provide unique services for the Muslim community and join yeah. that and, 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 and join that together. Um, then all of the services we're rolling out is connecting. It will be, become sort of a directory of services for the Muslim community, but not just any directory. It will be, if people go to that directory, they'll understand these people are qualified, they are recommended, they can be trusted. So that's basically the idea we're trying to achieve for that, inshallah. So just going Amazing. back onto, onto to, um, this, the, my day in, in, in NZF or in my day in that. So I'd just like to, 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 to make a call out to, to my beloved wife and the family and my kids. Uh, you know, they get frustrated with me sometimes because, you know, I don't spend enough time or I, I'm always on my phone. I always say I'm always on my phone. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's um, um, the, the, the support they give me and the time and the patience they have with me. 
but like give all of us the, the you know the, the the patience and the and the rewards for all of that because i met a brother this morning when i showed him what we are doing and then he listened to me for about 10 minutes intensely and he looked at me and he said so what do you get out of it and then i said nothing except building the community and building the khair and then he so that's really what we want to do get like-minded people like-minded organizations that's not in it yeah. for anything except for Allah's pleasure yeah mashallah that's beautiful nearly um broke me into tears then you know that whole question where people ask what do you get out of it and that's like you just want to help to build this community it's a responsibility that actually each and every one of us have that sometimes we always assume and wait for someone else to do it or someone else to take care of it but we as muslim individuals need to say this is my responsibility i need to step up for this so may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you and yeah it's a good point you made about the sacrifice of your family and that's what a lot of people don't see behind the scenes that community leaders um community workers that they sacrificed a lot from their personal lives to do the community building so may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward and compensate you and your family in this life and the next um I mean, so um, as everyone who's listening knows, this is the Deep Discussions podcast, and it's powered by Developing Diamonds. Developing Diamonds is actually on board, inshallah, with NZF, with helping to provide the support for this new program and new initiative that they are putting out over the next few few years, inshallah. So again, uh, the importance of collaboration and coming together for the greater good, for the bigger picture, and as you mentioned, it's the generational change that we want to make moving forward. I think that's super important point that you've made. Um, no doubt everyone who's listening is like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted just hearing about Brother Ismail's day um, and what his life is like. And, uh, I, you know, I know a little bit of the behind the scenes and this, yes, this is how he operates every day. Even without NZF and the workload, he'd find something else to, mashallah, build and construct and, and, and work on every day because uh, he needs very little rest, mashallah. I don't know where he gets his energy from. Well, no doubt Allah SWT powers him. But let me ask you, it's called the Deep Discussions Podcast and we want to talk deep. Brother Ismail, what is your driver? What is your drive behind uh, this level of exertion and energy? And, uh, you know, it's not like you're 20 years old, although, you know, you might claim to feel 20. But, you know, where does the energy come from, the drive to get up every day and put in that much work and effort when I know that definitely there are times where it is uphill. You do meet roadblocks. You do meet people who are resistant to the concept of change. What drives you? Uh, I'm not 20, but I'm 22. So just to clarify. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> um, I'm really not sure that the driver is just you, in, in these things that you do, there, there has to be an internal driver that is um, it's just, uh, it's just my, I guess my personality, my nature it's always been about um, wanting to do things for people, etc. It's just uh, my makeup, I guess, in, in a way. So there's nothing that I get up in the morning and say, okay, like, um, what's going to drive me today? It's just like, okay, what's the next thing to do that we can help the community, help yourself? Or... So I find, I find a lot of pleasure in, in, in doing that. It keeps me motivated. It keeps me going. If I help somebody, like I've just had a meeting this morning with Sheikh Shadi and the team there, and I feel just so motivated because they're all on board. We're going to get uh, the, this thing's done. Then I had another meeting where we were just helping an individual with a personal, at a personal, very personal level, where with them. And I've actually referred them to you, Sister Kalisha, uh, um, because they they need help. This it's not help I can provide. So it's basically uh, one of my skills is networking, talking to people, 
and then just joining the dots and trying to help our, our fellow Muslims, brothers and sisters. And the ultimate goal is, is Jannah, is to reach that high level because with our work we're doing, with our ibadah, with our salah, we're not going to get there. You know, so we have to add more stuff and find ways for us to, to, to have a better opportunity uh, to get to Jannah and to please Allah. So the biggest challenge I have every single day is to remain sincere, uh, to make sure that we, we do this for the right, our intention is correct. And I often used to ask the Sheikh, how do we make sure, is it better to do nothing and, or to be in, than to be insincere? Like some people say, like, you know, your intention because you want to show off, you know, the, the, some of the, 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 the limelight and all of that, compare that to doing nothing. So you might be doing something uh, and then you feel like, oh, I feel great about that. I feel happy. And there's some, there's some what they call uh, pride in that versus doing nothing. So the Sheikh said, but that's what Shaitan wants you to do is do nothing. And will make you feel like, uh, 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 you know, that your work is wasted because you feel proud about it. But there's a different ways of dealing with that. So that's the difficulty uh, so many times. And, you know, often I just sit down and think about, okay, how can I make sure that we stay sincere about this? So for the brothers and sisters who've joined, um, I see there's a lot of names that I kind of seen in the, in the space. If you can go to our website and look at the services, we programs we do, because I need to meet with all of the like-minded people who provide either mentoring services, youth services, teenage services, women for um, single parents, domestic violence, all of that is what we're rolling out. And we need service partners in all that space. As you can see, I took that opportunity to advertise and get some more people on board. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I encourage everybody to check out their nzf.org.au website and have a look at the services that they provide. And we know that in our day-to-day -day lives, we encounter individuals who might need a helping hand or who might be struggling. And I've always met people and thought, what can I do? I'm struggling. I might have been struggling financially at that time too, but you want to help. you. And to be able to say, have you guys heard of NZF? And they're like, no, I haven't go check it out, they'll help you. And then you call them two days later, they're like, I got the help that I needed. It was done, dusted. They felt comfort. They felt um, that they had a solution to their uh, situation that they were in. There was a way through because of the support that NZF, NZF provides. And over the years, I can't tell you how many different cases I've come across where people have been able to get that support and that upliftment that they've needed um, through the, the helping hand that NZF provides. And alhamdulillah that it comes from our, our community, you know, this is blessed uh, Baraka-filled money um, that is circulating in our community, helping to sustain and strengthen um, our families and individuals. So, um, as as you mentioned, you know, NZF's clearly intent and set on making massive changes in the community, and inshallah, there will be lasting changes and changes that adapt over time to suit the needs of our, our ever-evolving community and the the ever-evolving challenges that our community faces. So I think it's it's really exciting to see that that's happening. And just through the conviction in your voice, I can hear you're set on making it happen, mashallah, um, and that, you know, it's something that we need to follow through in. When you look at our community and the way that it's changed over the years and the struggles that our community experiences, what do you feel is most needed in our community or most lacking in terms of, uh, you know, support or growth or um, adapting to the current time that we're in? Uh, that's a tough one, but um, a controversial one. So, but I'll just give you what comes from my heart. But before I go there, I'd just like to call, in case I forget, I want to just give a big, big call out to my beautiful team in the NZF family. 
the team that works day to day working and getting this done it's not me uh, i'm i'm just the the the, the head uh, running the show there but the work is actually done um, as my wife always says you're a good manager you can delegate so jazakallah for the big team now what is the thing that uh, uh, um, what is the thing that our community needs so the beauty about the, the australian and anyway new south wales i feel in the last 10 years as a muslim muslims we've grown we've matured a lot we're not afraid anymore i mean in the early days when there's a news article about the muslims or somebody says one politician says something about the muslims you all get scared and worry what's going to happen but these days we 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 strong enough to 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 stand with standard but i think it's the generational change so your generation uh, 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 and, the, and, and our kids' generation, they look at this differently because they were born in Australia, they grew up here, and they feel they have a right to be here. Unlike uh, us and our parents who actually migrated here, we somehow just feel some, to some degree disconnected in some place, you know, but the kids that grew, were born here and grew up here, they were much stronger. So I believe that that's a good thing, but what we need, what's lacking is, is good leadership at all levels. Uh, 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 leadership in relation of, of our imams and our sheikhs and, and, and just leaders in the, in the masjids, leaders in the organizations. We need forward-thinking people and we need people with good manners. Wallahi is a problem. You call somebody, they don't call you back. You SMS somebody, they don't SMS you back. They don't answer you. They don't just, this is the simple manners that I'm asking the people. Let's say nice things to each other and let's have manners. Right? I mean, I was just talking to Sheikh Sadi this morning. I said to him, uh, yesterday a brother called me, today a sister called me. They need to get access to a Sheikh just to talk to somebody. They need it now. I've got 10 Sheikhs on speed dial on my phone. I can't get anybody. Right. So we have to learn where is it, what is it we need right now? We need good leadership, trustworthy leadership. And I'm saying to the young generation who's listening to me, stop sitting back and saying and complaining. Step up, do something. Become a leader, take over. If the masjid is not doing what you want to do, take it over. If the organization is not doing what you want to do, step up, step in and change it. Right? Because if you don't, another 20 years from now, we'll talking about the same things. The masjids will be current the way they do. The, the, uh, the politics in the masjids will continue on. The organizations will be wasting your money. The big organizations who are using money that shouldn't be used, let us change this dynamics, right? Let us talk about the good stuff. Let, but we need change. We need the younger generation to step up and take over and run this thing. I often say my solution to masjid problems. So maybe one masjid that doesn't have a problem with this committee, right? The masjid problems can be fixed very simply. Firstly, all the committee members, three ways. All the committee members on that masjid must be under the age of 35. Secondly, all of them must pray Fajr in that masjid every day. And the third one is, they must all live in that area. You'll fix all the masjid problems tomorrow. Wow. That is a, a, a negative side, but on a positive side, I believe the younger generation, yeah. mashallah, alhamdulillah, is much more positive to what we were. And they are actually keen yeah. to actually do things. And they don't believe the Quran school should be free. They don't believe you should, everything should be free. They're happy to pay but they want to trust where they're paying. They want to trust and yeah. they want to respect from the elders. They want the respect from those people. So I'm saying, let us as the older people give respect to these younger ones. Let them take over and respect them and let them run the show. And I think 
10 years from now, if we continue down this path, we'll see a much more positive uh, Muslim community. And I'm praying and I'm hoping. And as I said to the Sheikh this morning, I was joking. Out of all of this, out of all of this, if we can all have Eid on the same day, wouldn't that be beautiful? That's the see is coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. SubhanAllah, so many things in what you just said, you know, this importance of um, the next generation becoming that change that we need and, uh, you know, good leadership at all levels that you mentioned, forward thinking, well-mannered, good leadership and leadership, I guess that's con connected to the actual grassroots issues within the community because when you're a leader, your role is to serve the community. So you need to know at the lowest level, what that community needs. And I think it's your, your brother-in-law, brother, um, your brother's on Zachariah Matthews, right? Your brother-in-law, yes. he, in his leadership course, you know, he mentioned that the measure of a leader is if you look at the lowest person in society, what is their condition? That will tell you, um, you know, what type of leader that person is, how well taking care of are the lowest in society. That is the orphans, the disabled, the widows, all of that's panel the, the, who NZF technically are taking care of. So I think, you know, we need a reformation of, of uh, leadership and even support for our existing leaders who want to adapt and create that change moving forward for the next generation. Um, I resonate deeply with what you said about, you know, the next generation who are listening, become a leader, take it over. Obviously we don't want an unruly uprising, right? It needs to be measured. They need to be, they need to have their own base of knowledge. They need to be supported and guided by other community members who are older than them and mentored in the processes of it. And there are so many, mashallah, like resources to do that. And, that, you know, um, I know that a lot of young people, even in my generation, we do, we feel like there's this wall up in terms of access to the mosque. And I know I'm a sister in the community. I don't want to lead the men, but I have so many ideas for young people, for women, for youth that I can advise and support in creating but I know that in my locality, I've not been reached out for in terms of helping to establish that in our local mosques. And like, I've, it's sad because you, even if you have skills, you feel underutilized as well, you know. Um, and I guess that, you know, that phrase like, um, you know, about having a seat at the table. I know that young people and even women, sisters, often don't have a seat at the table when it comes to the decisions that are made on behalf of the masses in the community. And I guess, you know, for our young people, for our young people and next generation, like if you don't have a seat at the table, bring your own chair. Like just step forward and, and get yeah. in there, get, you know, get your hands dirty. And, um, you know, I was having a conversation this morning with, with a very close friend and we were talking about like all we should want is for Allah to use us as a tool. Be, uh, give yourself to Allah and say, let me be an instrument of change, of betterment for the community. Let me use my skill set, my passions, my interests in community or whatever talents that you have, and to be able to invest it um, in the ummah, uh, both the local Muslim ummah, but also the wider community as well. We have a lot to offer the wider society around us who are technically allowing us to live in, in safety and security. Um, so, yeah, very heavy question, right? Like what are the most needed, uh, you know, changes or what is lacking in our community? There's a lot of work to do, and obviously you have to have that critical element but it should always be constructive. Like, as you mentioned, it's about creating change and looking forward into the future, five, 10, 15 years time. How can we have a more solid, um, more um, uh, united community um, and how are we going to make that happen? And it's going to take commitment and hard work and for people to step up ever willing to make that sacrifice. Um, I want to ask you a question from our set of deep discussions cards. 
mm-hmm. um, because that's kind of the theme of things. And just to see um, uh, what your thoughts are. Um, so your question that I've randomly selected is, the hardest thing in life is what? Hardest thing in life. The hardest thing in life for me or just in life? So the hardest thing for me? In general, what, what would you say? Like a challenge? The hardest challenge for me is to just to try and, and, and navigate um, the, the, the bad manners that so many people in our Muslim community have in, in, wow. in just dealing, day-to-day dealing. So that's, that really, really upsets me. Um, so I would say that's probably the hardest thing for me to deal with. I get, I get, uh, I don't get angry about many things, but um, I guess for me it's just seeing the lack of manners. And I did the khutbah last week when I said to the the, the, the people, if we spend the next three years only teaching our community manners, then that will be great because manners makes a lot of things. I give an example where I go to the mosque in the morning for fajr. The, the, the younger ones, if they could park their cars inside the masjid, they will park it inside the masjid, right? And all the older people need to walk all the way from almost the street to the masjid, right? And then nobody cares about even providing facilities for the elderly to park close. I'm not talking about myself now, but the elderly to park closer to the, to the, to, to the masjid. And these are the Fajr people. <laughs> these are the Fajr people. What about the Juma people? We have no chance, right? But we need to start making that change. My dad... He's, mashallah, he's 88. He goes to masjid on a Friday at 11 o'clock. Not because he, li- he likes to go to early, but because he's afraid he's not going to get parking or he's afraid he will not be able to get in. So this is what uh, 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 is hard for me. That just the lack of care about the, 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 the vulnerable in our community and those who really yeah. need our help. So that's, that's what's hard for me. I hope that answered the question. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and even um, looking into our community and uh, things like that, you know, the parking for elderly, for pregnant and women with babies and those with disabilities, do they have allocated parking or is there only, yeah. you know, maybe disabled parking or not even that? There's one you know, disabled parking. Couldn't imagine, parking. you know. Yeah. There's one disabled yeah, couldn't parking. Couldn't imagine, the like, you know, Sorry. Yeah, the elderly, how far do they have to walk? Are they going to have to walk to get into the mosque? Astaghfirullah, like that's such a disrespect and disregard for our elders. And we always learn Islam, respect your elders. We say it all the time. We teach these things all the time, but we don't live it. Um, so we have, And, you know, even on the topic of manners, like isn't our Islam just so fundamentally built upon akhlaq? The Prophet wasallam was sent to perfect manners. manners. We want to say we're people of the sunnah living according to Quran and Sunnah, where Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, you know, it's like Sunnah, Sunnah, and we don't have basic manners, which is uh, the core epitome of the prophetic example and message. And, you know, the scholars of the past, before they even taught knowledge, some of them used to spend years teaching their students manners. They had to learn akhlaq and adab first before they could enter into the Islamic sciences. So we've lost sight of this, this courtesy towards each other, this respect for each other, um, the attitude in which we carry towards each other, you know, and then if we don't have that established soundly, we don't have the disciplines of good character and conduct amongst each other, guess who runs amok between us? The shayateen, you know, will just come and just make dispute and hatred and envy and enmity, these horrible traits and qualities in our hearts towards each other 
how are we going to build this ummah based on that? You know, subhanAllah, where do we, what is a look an example of around the Prophet وسلم, who did he have around him? We know them as the Sahaba, right? His close companions because they had each other's backs. They forgave, they overlooked, they corrected themselves, they served each other. Um, such an important point that you've made there, subhanAllah. Um, before I ask your last question, I just want to let our viewers know that they can watch past episodes of um, our podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the top platforms that are out there. Make sure you subscribe so you can get notifications and follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Keep in touch with us so you can hear the beneficial insights and reminders in the deep discussions that we have with our, um, our guests. Um, also, don't forget that you can get your own set of cards. Sister Masiha mentioned she's from Perth, WA, that she uses these cards in her workshops and trainings. Um, and they're amazing as icebreakers, as conversation starters with friends, family, um, or even when you're facilitating. We had a school in Perth buy a bunch of sets to use in their classrooms just to kind of bring forward that softness of heart for Muslims and people to interact at a more um, intimate level. So feel free to reach out if you'd like to get yourself a set of the cards. So brother Isma, before we head out, they cost? what How much is, do they cost? They're $35. If you want postage, it's a little extra inshallah, but a really good investment inshallah. Um, so brother Ismail, tell us what's next for you. What's happening next for you in, in life in general? Give us a little bit of personal and professional, inshallah. So, alhamdulillah, uh, next for me is just to continue on with what I'm doing. And uh, the, having started this, the, this, this programs of services that we're building out with, the, with an NZF, it's basically going to take us probably the next uh, five to ten years to, to really see the, the fruits and benefits of that. So Alhamdulillah, may Allah give me the health and strength to continue to build that out. Um, and then also making dua that um, we were able to go back to, to Makkah and, 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 and Medina and Hajj. So, uh, you know, getting back onto the, the, the Umrah tours and the Hajj tours. Um, yeah, so that's basically where I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm not sure about retirement yet, but I'm not sure what I'll do if I have to have to retire. Alhamdulillah. So, May Allah keep you on your feet and allow you to continue to serve and, and be of benefit to the community and, and everybody around you always. I mean, I mean, I mean, Jazakallah so for giving me the time. Who, that's okay. Thanks to those who have tuned in. Tamana said she used the deep discussions cards at a camp and that it's really good for kids. Yeah, you can use it with children as well. Um, so thank you for everyone for sharing their comments. Um, as they've, as they've listened in. Listened in. Um, obviously, it's been a very dynamic and deep dive conversation and we've gone on a real journey, mashallah, to a lot of different facets of our community and even at a personal individual level of what it means to work within community. Um, so, Brother Ismail, I just wanted to say a big thank you to you, not just for being um, uh, allowing us to interview in this podcast, but also for your years of work and sacrifice in the community. Um, and you're definitely an oh, unsung yeah. hero, you know, I feel, and you've been a very treasured and valued mentor to myself and a role model to me um, for uh, many years now, mashallah. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. And I think sometimes the, the quiet workers who are doing sacrifices beyond what we see into the night in the early hours of the morning uh, are often overlooked and under-acknowledged. So I just wanted to personally acknowledge you and your effort and work and um, know that we are all making dua for you to continue. Just and we want to follow in your footsteps, inshallah. Just 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 
Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back with our next episode of the Deep Discussions podcast with Sister Rosalind DeBono mm-hmm. doing her River Reflections episode next week, inshallah. So stay tuned. Um, make sure you keep in touch and check out and follow us on the various platforms. Jazakallah khair, everyone. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.